monster is a mirror, and when we look at him, we look into our own hidden faces, meditate on this at second level. Is this life reality? No. It is a film. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Here is the hair I've lost in the past three months. Take it. It belongs to you. You will know why one day. That's fucking crazy, man. Welcome to We're a Movie Club. I am the egg and I sound like this. Today's movie is the Exterminating Angel. And now your hosts, Anil and Siri. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weird Movie Podcast. Thanks to the leg for introducing us. That's the leg, Sari. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he talks backwards, and he looks like a leg. Right. I'm Daniel Wishes, a puppeteer, and with me as always... Sari. And we are puppeteers living in Japan, or we were puppeteers. All our shows were canceled uh-huh. because of this horrible virus that's affecting the entire world. Right. Yeah, so we're just sort of self-isolating right now, and what better way to self isolate than to watch some weird movies. Yay! What do you think, Sari? Yeah, it's a great time to watch weird movies. Or a bad time, I don't know. I don't know, all it of did... our shows are cancelled until like August already. Yeah, things yeah. are not looking good for the world. No. Uh, the movie we're gonna watch today I actually picked out a long time ago and it didn't even occur to me until I started getting things ready today that this movie is actually very apropos to the situation we're in right now. Now, mm. for reasons which you'll discover once we actually watch the movie. Oh, that sounds exciting. The movie we're watching today is from 1962, mm-hmm. which means it's the oldest movie we've watched so far on Weird Movie Club. Oh, really? It's called The Exterminating Angel, uh-huh. and it's directed by Louis Bunuel. Now, Louis Bunuel is considered to be one of the biggest and most famous weird movie directors, uh-huh. and it's shocking that we haven't done any movies by him yet. Wow. Oh. Uh, he's a Spanish filmmaker, but this movie was actually shot while he was living in Mexico. Mexico! So this is another Mexican movie. Yay! Our second weird movie from from Mexico. Which one is the other Mexico movie? The Holy Mountain. Is it? Yeah. Uh, So there are a lot of uh, weird movie makers in Spain or Mexico. I think at some point we should do a tally of how many weird movies come from different countries and see Mm. which country makes the weirdest movies. Sounds good. So how are you feeling today with uh, self-isolation isolation and all the coronavirus that's been spreading. Right. It's really honestly hard, depressing, emotion going up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah, it's actually, you know, we're trying to be positive and happy, but actually it's really bad. Mm. Super bad, but I know it's for everybody. Now, the movie I picked out today, Mm. like I said, has some things in common with the situation we're in right now. And I I haven't seen this movie for over 10 years, so I remember the basic premise of the movie, but I don't remember a lot of the details, like the characters and stuff, so... Oh. But I do remember that this movie is pretty dark, and I don't know if oh, it's no. a good idea to watch a dark movie... We might when even we're, get might, more depressed. We might get even more depressed. No! Or maybe it'll be cathartic and it'll make us feel better, I'm not sure. Oh. I think it's a dumb question, maybe, but... Do you know anything about this movie at all? No. So as usual, you're going into this movie knowing nothing about it. Other than what I just told you. Yeah, and the title. And the title. Exterminating Angel. Can you guess what the movie's about from the title? Extermination is like destruction, right? Yeah, it's like killing things. Right, like Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Oh, you mean like the uh, like the Daleks from Doctor Who? They're right. like exterminate, exterminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or an exterminator that gets rid so, of pests. So angels, they're trying to kill angels based on the title. Yeah. Well, it's the exterminating angel, so it would mean that the angel's the one that's doing the exterminating. And they're so on to exterminate. Terminate people. Although I think a movie actually about exterminating angels would be really interesting. Mm. 
Maybe we should make that movie. Okay. But first, let's watch this movie that's already been made and see how our mental health will either get better <laughs> or get worse from watching this movie. All right. All right. We'll see you after the break. See you later. Una situación como esta no puede durar indefinidamente. No estamos encantados, amigos. Este no es el castillo de un brujo. Mira allí. No, en la cumbre. ¿Lo ves? Sí, él es. Qué lleno de majestad, qué solemne. Se diría un guerrero. Hey everybody, we are back. We have just watched The Exterminating Angel. What are your initial thoughts about that movie without spoiling anything yet? Because we'll, you know, as usual, we'll do a plot oh, summary. My initial word after the watching the movies, what does it mean? Yeah, that's right. As soon as the movie ended, you did say, what does it mean? I was thinking about this as we watched it. This movie is almost 60 years old. Wow. It's from 1962. That was almost 60 years ago. Wow. Wasn't it? So people have been debating what this movie means for a long time. So do you understand why I thought that this movie was sort of timely with the whole... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand. You get yeah, it. Yeah. Let's do a plot summary of the movie. Okay. So, first, the scene starts with really huge mansion. Yeah, where big rich, mansion. Where rich family lives and servants and cooks are getting ready for a special dinner where the host is like a married couple, I guess, and they invited a bunch of guests. And all the guests are rich people, very Super rich, rich people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, while servants and cooks are getting ready, they're escaping. Yeah, the servants all start to leave for some reason. Yeah, for some reason. They don't seem to know why. And some of them are threatened to be fired, and they don't care. They're like, it yeah. doesn't matter, we have to get out of here. Yeah, and all of them said they didn't have any complaint working there, but they feel like they need to leave today. Right. They just feel like something bad is about to happen and they need to escape for whatever reason. Right. So the dinner starts. Oh, yeah. That's one part. And yeah. at that, that point of the movie, Sari, when all the servants started to run away. Yeah. Did you have any guess about what you thought was going to happen? Like the reason why all the servants were running away? No. No, I didn't have any guess. Okay. Something weird is happening. And also there's one scene where two of the servants were trying to leave and they saw guests arrive and going inside the house and they were hiding and then they they thought the guests were all gone inside so they took a look and then they saw the same scenery where guests just arriving and it's kind of repeating scene. Yeah, yeah we see all the guests come up the stairs and enter and then we see it repeated. Yeah, that was really weird. There's a strange repetition yeah. that happens there. Mm. We also see that for some reason in the kitchen, they have a pet bear and some pet sheep. I know. That are just there in yeah. the kitchen, which is a weird place to keep them. Yeah, very weird. Yeah, and the dinner started and they started enjoying food. And meanwhile, cooks, more cooks are leaving. Right. And there, some of them are fired. And then the dinner ends. And there's only one servant left. Yeah, only one servant left. And those people moved from... They moved from dinner space to some lounge. Yeah, kind of like a big lounge. Like kind of what you would expect in a mansion. It's a big giant room that has a piano and some closets and lots of fancy decorations, paintings and things. Right. And uh, one of the guests started playing piano. Mm -hmm. And everybody said, oh, good job. It was beautiful. And some people say, oh, okay, maybe we should go. But for some reason, so for some reason, they didn't leave. Yeah, it was like four o'clock in the morning. Three, wasn't it? I think they said it was three. Then they said it was four. Then they said it was five. And people kept talking about wanting to leave. But then eventually they all ended up sleeping. Yeah, sleeping until morning. And the host couple is like, this is really weird. Why aren't they all leaving? Mm -hmm. And the wife is like, I guess we have to prepare breakfast for them. Right. But uh, there's no food left. So one, only one servant who left, who stayed at the house said okay i'm gonna give them the coffee and the leftovers from leftovers last night. right so he brings 
the coffee and breakfast and he goes into the lounge and then somebody said I want sugar so he said okay I'm gonna get it and then for some reason he can't get off out of the lounge yeah the servant gets stuck yeah he gets stuck and and everybody else seems stuck yeah and guess why are you not getting it and like he said i i don't know and he sits down silent and people by the time or everybody realized they can't get out of the lounge for some reason even though there's no door there's nothing physically blocking them there's no force field it's just somehow like there's some like almost mental block something psychological preventing them from just walking into the other room right and and what happened well time begins to pass right uh, there's lots and lots of different characters and lots of drama that happens yeah. between them. I can't remember the names of all the characters. Yeah. There's a young couple who just want to be alone, so they start going to the closet. People can't go to the bathroom uh, because they can't leave the room, so they start going into this one closet to use that closet right. as a bathroom. Right. Some ladies are u- taking turns using it, and there's like a little exchange of dialogue, a little conversation, I, I don't know if you remember, that's a bit weird, where the ladies say, oh, when I was in there, I looked down... And I saw a cliff and I saw an eagle fly by and some oh, wind yeah. blew leaves. And it's kind of a weird conversation. That, yeah, yeah. That, do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So eventually days pass. One guy has a theory that maybe everybody on the outside world is gone. Mm. But then we actually see what's happening on the outside world. There's people trying to get in. Yeah, yeah. But they, they have the same psychological block. They just can't enter the house. Yeah. Time passes. They break through the wall to get to a water pipe so that they have water. Right. Lots of drama happens. That guy gets sick and he passes away and oh, they have yeah, to put yeah. his body One in the closet. Dies. Right. And then later on the the young married couple dies as well. They end up committing suicide eventually, yeah. Right. And one woman who got really sick, she starts hallucinating and seeing some weird nightmare where a hand is walking on the floor. Right. Like earlier in the movie, the hand of the dead guy kind of like falls out of the closet and she sees that. Right. And then later on she sees the disembodied hand walking right. around. And tried to kill her. Tries to kill her. There's like all sorts of drama, like people blaming each other. Like one guy blames the owner right. for the guy who threw the party for trapping them in there. There's another guy who can't find his pills. And then another guy finds his pills and throws it into the other room. Right. The owner reveals he has a secret box of drugs, which mm. the doctor starts to use to give to medicine to people because people are getting sick and mm. going crazy. Everybody's starving. Yeah. And then they saw three sheep running after the bear, the pet bear. Yeah. The pet bear was, for some reason, it was released. Yeah, somehow escaped. the bear and the sheep escaped. Yeah, yeah. And the sheep being chased by the bear, sheep gets into the lounge. And as soon as sheep gets into the lounge, everybody got the sheep and then they made sheep into food. Yeah, they make a fire by smashing everything in the in the room, including a cello, to make like a fire to like cook the sheep. Right. There's three sheep, I guess, and they don't kill them all. They kill, I assume, two because there's one left. Yeah. And then there's a woman who, I guess we noticed earlier when she opens her purse, that her purse is full of bird feet and feathers. Right. And later on, she reveals that she brought it with her because she had some vision and she wants to use Kabbalahistic magic to do a ritual mm. to open a door, like a portal to set them free. But that doesn't work. No, it doesn't. She says they need the blood of the innocent, so they have to sacrifice mm. the lamb, but that never happens. Right. And so how many days pass, we don't know, but one night, everybody outside is trying to, still trying to get into the mansion. Nobody can. Yeah. And all the servants who left the house came back. Yeah, and they're sort of like going, hey, what happened? You right, know? right, right. Yeah. And then at the night, they're all going crazy mm-hmm. inside the house. And uh, I think the host, the owner of the house, decides to commit suicide. He went to get a pistol. Yeah, some people believe that if he dies, they'll be set free. Mm, right. So, but then there's the lady. Who, who is she? Is she a guest or host? She's a Valkyrie. 
So the lady suddenly realizes that in the long, long time they've spent there, they've been moving around the room, moving the furniture, but now she notices that everybody just coincidentally happens to be in the exact same spot they were sitting in the night that they first got stuck in there. Right. So she says, we need to do some repetition. She gets the woman to play the same piano. They try to repeat some of the dialogue. She convinces everyone to do it. And that's somehow what finally sets them free and allows them to leave the room. Yes. And they all escape. Yeah, all escape. And it should be a happy ending except for the people who died. But then we discovered that the same thing happens again later on in a in church. A, in a church, in a funeral for, I think, the people who died. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. And everybody in the house who was stuck is there. Yeah. And then as soon as the funeral ritual ends, the, who's, who is it, the priest? The priests try to leave mm. and they can't they get stuck and we realize oh no it's the same thing happening again yeah and then outside outside there's like massive shooting yeah there's like a riot where the police are like attacking people and there's like all sorts of violence yeah and a whole group of sheep are somehow chased into the church yes and that's the end that's the end so what does it mean uh, what does it mean what does it mean sari what does it mean well i think a movie like this has different meanings depending on who watches it and when you see it. I was thinking about this the other day, I was thinking about Eraserhead. Mm. Eraserhead, you know, it's open to so many different interpretations that mm. watching it kind of reveals something about yourself. And I feel like when this movie was made in the 1960s, mm. people must have interpreted it completely different mm. than how we're interpreting it now as people who are trapped inside our house, just like the people in that movie. <laughs> yes. Everybody in the world is socially isolating right now, yeah. trapped inside their houses. It's kind of like this movie's coming true now. Yeah. There's nothing preventing us from leaving other than our own, yeah. like, you know, mental. mental idea of like, oh, we can't leave. Yeah. yeah. So, Sari, what do you think this movie means. Do you have any interpretation? I think, you know, sheep is metaphor. I think so too. Yeah, the sheep is, I think, actually the people who, who died. Maybe. In the, the first drama and like kind of sacrifice. Okay. <laughs> How so? Because they're like exactly the same number. Was it the same number? Yeah, people who died in the house. Oh, right. There's three people who died and then three sheep. And three sheep and they, you know, people ate to survive. Right. So you think that it was actually like they ate the dead people and we saw it as being the sheep? I'm not sure about that bear also kind of chasing the sheep and the bear is released. Yeah. Because I think it's bear, the bear, pet bear is also a metaphor. Mm -hmm. Where like, you know, people are being, you know, polite and being social, but once they get into like a very dangerous situation, their violence is released and then chase people who are weak to, you know, to death. I heard a story that when they were making this movie, the actors themselves uh. didn't really know how to interpret this movie. Uh. And one of the actors said that during the premiere of the movie, one of the actresses was sitting beside the director and someone in the audience said, the bear represents communism. And the director thought this was hilarious. Like he thought that's so funny that they thought that. Uh. I think that's more like people's, you know, violence. Hmm. Who's like hidden usually, but it comes up. Well, everybody seemed to have a different interpretation of what this movie means, including all the different actors in the movie. Oh, interesting. Let's talk a little about Louis Boonwell, Sari. Okay. I assume you're not too familiar with him. He's considered to be one of the greatest film directors in the history of Spain. He used to collaborate a lot with Salvador Dali. Oh. And he created a short film called Un Chien Andalou, which was a short film and it was kind of considered the very first weird movie. Mm. Another interesting thing about Louis Bunuel mm. is that as a student, he became a really amazing hypnotist. Apparently he was super good at hypnotizing people. Mm. It almost seems like the people in this movie were kind of hypnotized. That's one possible explanation for why they couldn't leave. Probably not. But it's interesting that as a filmmaker, he had this background in hypnotism. So he compared making movies mm. to his career as being a hypnotist, saying that movies are like a form of hypnotism. And this is a quote by him. This kind of cinematographic hypnosis is in no doubt due to the darkness of the theater and to the rapidly changing scenes, lights, and camera movements, which weaken the spectator's critical intelligence and exercise over him a kind of fascination. So the, the combination of flashing lights and scene changes and editing, hypnotism ties the people who are watching the movie. Oh, okay. And that was his belief about cinema. Um. Now, Salvador Dali and Bunuel worked together for many years making films. Mm. And they became like kind of a famous, you know, set of collaborators. Mm. 
But they had a big falling out. They had a huge fight with each other. Oh no. Over politics. Oh. See, in Spain, a dictator named Franco Bahamonde began to take over. Bunuel was very left wing and he was very much opposed to this dictatorship that was starting to take over Spain, mm. while Dali supported it. Is he? Yeah. I don't he know. actually, Dali supported fascism. Wow, yeah. really? And they had like a big fight over this. Oh, understandable. And so Bunuel was traveling around the world and he went to America to work on some movies. And during that time, the dictator Franco took over. So he decided not to return to Spain. Oh, so he went to Mexico instead? He lived in America for several years first mm. before finally going and moving permanently to Mexico. Later on, Dali wrote a memoir where he accused Bunuel of being a communist. And at the time, communists were like really attacked in America, Mm. especially. So he was really angry at Dali. Mm. And apparently he took a gun and went to Dali's hotel room and was planning to shoot Salvador Dali in the leg as revenge for writing about him in this book. But he ended up like not doing it. He just like kind of screamed at Dolly. Wow. But it was like so a they huge... met. They met after uh, later. Yeah. Way later. After when Salvador Dolly was in America. Wow. Yeah. So he did eventually move to Mexico and he made this movie. And a lot of people interpret this movie as being about the aristocracy in Spain. Mm. Like it's like a criticism of rich people and the dictatorship in Spain. Everyone in this movie are like really rich people right. and they're kind of bad people. There's one scene at the beginning where this woman is talking about how she was in a train wreck and she saw these people die, but she didn't care about them because they were poor people and poor people don't feel the same amount of pain. They're more like animals. Mm. And these. So one interpretation is that the title, The Exterminating Angel, mm. it's like an angel sent from God to punish these people for being like rich and greedy. Mm. Yeah, that was interesting. The room has all the paintings of angels, I guess. There's also like saints and other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, secret people. Yeah. <laughs> people. The the title is actually a reference to the Bible. Now there's Mm. There's not like a lot of stuff about religion, but a lot of people have have tried to use the title of the movie as like a clue to try to figure out what the movie's Mm. about. So one thing I thought about this movie is it could almost be interpreted as kind of like a bit science fiction, you know? Mm. At the beginning, when they when everybody enters twice, mm. it's almost like a time glitch, mm. like a glitch in time that right. gets them stuck. Like there's a problem with time. And in order to set themselves free, they have to create like another yeah, repetition. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Now, there have been a lot of movies since this movie was made that kind of copied the idea of a bunch of people being stuck in a room for some reason and going crazy. Um. But this movie really invented it. Some people say that this movie kind of created the reality show because now there's all these reality shows like Big Brother where you get a bunch of people to live in a small space together and then go crazy and you Mm. film them and see what kind of drama unfolds. Right. And people say that Boonwell kind of created that whole idea. Boonwell made many famous weird movies, Mm. but this is one of his most famous and one of his most controversial movies. This movie was actually made into an opera recently in 2016 by Thomas Aides. It was actually an English language opera. Oh. There's some clips of it online that you can find. Oh, cool. Of them singing like the same dialogue from the movie, like in these scenes. And I, I just saw some clips, but they have the hand in there and mm. the sheep and everything. Oh. Some of the actors have talked about the movie and I've watched some interviews. Mm. One actress in the movie said that when he was a young boy, he had this memory mm. of going camping in the mountains. And there was this cliff that they used to go and pee off of. And one day while he was peeing, he looked looked down below him and he saw an eagle fly by. Oh. And that was an experience. And then he took that experience and turned it into dialogue mm. that the women were talking about after going to the bathroom in the closet. Mm. And they said that one of the ways he would work as a surrealist is he would take his own personal experiences and put them into his movies, but put them completely out of context mm. so that they didn't make sense anymore. Mm. There was also a cello player that he apparently was angry at when he was making the movie. Mm. And that's why he had the scene of the guy destroying the cello with a oh, hammer. Oh, really? He put a lot of his personal things just into the movie. <laughs> so some of the things in the movie may, might not have been symbolic at all. They were just like personal things going on in his life mm. that he just put in the movie for fun. Right. People who worked with him said that he was kind of a bit like a child, you know, and he'd want things to be a certain way and mm. he would never explain himself. And if he didn't get his way, he'd have like a little, you know, he'd get mad the way like a little kid would get mad. Right. One of the things he got mad about was when he came up with the idea for this movie, he imagined it being in this European mansion. He wanted to shoot it in London mm. with an all British cast, but they just didn't have the budget. 
So his producers and people tried to convince him, let's shoot it in Mexico. Mm. And he said, no, there's there's certain things that aren't the same in Mexico, like the napkins are different. And they said, well, we can make napkins for the movie. Mm. And they had to like really work hard to get like everything looking as European as possible, including the cast. Like they like really went out of their way to find like European looking people in Mexico to, to make him happy, to make the movie look as European as possible. Aww. And it is kind of a, a European story, like this big mansion full yeah. of rich people. And yeah. It's not the kind of movie that you normally expect to take place in Mexico. No. Uh, one actress said that after each day of shooting was complete, mm. She would go home and take a shower Mm. and then fix her hair and come back the next day. And Mm. she kind of mentioned that to the director, Mm. that it felt a bit weird Mm. that they were trying to pretend that they were all dirty and grimy and staying there for a few days. But every night she'd go home and take a shower. Mm. And the director thought about that and was like, huh, huh, okay. So then he started to take honey, smear it over the actors' faces, and then put dirt over the honey. Which everybody felt was like just disgusting. They're like, if you can imagine what it's like to have honey and dirt like uh, smeared across your face, it's like the most disgusting, awful feeling thing. Right. A lot of the emotions and dramatic power from the actors in that movie came from them <laughs> actually being isolated in that, like stuck in that room together. Like some of the emotion like came from that feeling of real grittiness and like right. long hours of shooting. And, right. Like, like real craziness. Mm. It's interesting that a lot of weird surreal movies almost feel like the entire thing's completely a dream. Mm. But this movie, even though there's lots of weird surreal elements, it feels like kind of real too. And you get kind of emotionally invested in like, are these characters going to be able to leave? How are they going to survive? What's going to happen? It's more like thriller. Like a thriller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a psychological thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was weird, but also the structure is not like other main weird movies. Yeah. you can actually follow what's going on, but still very strange. It's plotted like a normal movie, yeah. and yet everything in the movie that happens is is very strange. Yeah. When they finally get out at the end, when they mm. finally escape, you seemed really surprised. No, I, yeah, I was like excited because it has some, you know, relief. Right. And you were just happy that they it got It was out. well done, you know, that yeah. like they could get out, not by accident, but they figured out like to repeat things to get out. There are a number of movies that I show you in Weird Movie Club that don't always have satisfying feeling endings, right? Yeah, but this one has like, they found a solution and like we could see the, how they resolved it and right. they got out even though they got stuck again later. <laughs> That's the end. That last scene in the movie mm. seems like the most symbolic. The scene where there's like kind of a, seems like there's a revolution happening. I thought that the ending was the answer to the, you know, what happened. Cause it's, it has like less metaphor, even though they're still sheep. Instead of the bear, they're actually police and like violence in real, like humor. And I thought that room has, you know, lots of paintings of angels and saints. Similar, and, uh, to, the, similar to a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end, it's the church and it's bigger. So yeah, I think that short scene of the ending is actually kind of reflect. It's, it's like an act of God. Mm. I heard in an interview one of the actors asked why the sheep were there. And his answer was so that they could have something to eat because they need food. Mm. And then they said, well, what about the bear? And he said, well, the bear is there to chase the sheep in. <laughs> he didn't give them like a real answer. Right. But my interpretation is that the sheep kind of represented poor people and the rich are eating the poor. Mm. It's kind of like, because, you know, because I know that Bunuel was a very socialist guy. Mm. And I think that was reflected in all of his work. So it really felt like this was like rich people feeding off of the poor. Mm. You know, that was my interpretation. Yeah, I think that's like a symbol where the sheep escapes at the end, escapes towards the church hmm. right to only get eaten yeah we know like the consequence right when you think about it that way it's very literal <laughs> it's uh. like they're running towards the church for salvation and then they just get eaten yeah 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 and and louis bunuel was an atheist so that might have been how he felt about religion oh he wasn't or he was he was he was raised catholic but then he became an atheist yeah i think maybe he had some you know realization or desperation where he realized oh church or the god doesn't help 
Right. And as a socialist, he could have been criticizing the church just as much as he's criticizing rich people. Yeah, and also I really think the, uh, you know, the old paintings in the room is also a metaphor because, like, they hide dirtiest things behind the angels. Ah, yeah. Like, like, there's a closet and they, you know, they use that as a toilet. They use that to hide the dead body and they like two people die behind that so it's like inside room it's still like organized try to be organized and clean but like behind that it's all like death and that is like fierce in it there is also this thing that occurs throughout the movie where at the beginning they're all so polite to each other right in fact even when they first start sleeping that first night some of the men take off their tuxedos, mm. their tuxedo jackets, and they're like, oh, it's so rude for them to take off their tuxedo jackets. But we should also take off our tuxedo jackets so that they don't feel bad about being rude. And there's like, there's this level of really artificial politeness, mm. which is deconstructed the longer they spend. They become less polite. Mm. Um, they start admitting like, I actually hated you this whole time. I was only pretending to like you. There's guys who turn out to be perverts and like mm. grab, there's a scene where a guy gropes a woman while she's sleeping. And right. like all this fake politeness between these rich people break down and they start to show their like true dark mm. sides inside them. Yeah. And yeah, that really goes along with what you were saying, which is a really interesting point. The fact that they're using these closets, which are painted with these religious murals to like hide the shame to hide the dead bodies to mm. hide their their feces and poop and, mm. and everything and then outside there's the police mention that like even from down the street they can smell like the the house smells really bad from oh. inside not only does the dead bodies and all the poop and everything smell but they themselves as humans mm. are stinking without being able to wash themselves and bathe they're becoming like almost like more human and deep down humans are mm. filthy disgusting creatures right that smell bad. Yeah, yeah. There's that scene where the one guy goes crazy and he's like, you stink! I stink! We all stink! <laughs> yeah. Which is true, regardless of our social status or how mm. polite we are. We all, we all smell bad, you mm. know? We all sweat. We all have to go to the bathroom, even if we hide it in a fancy closet. Literally in Ming vases, because that closet is full of, like, these, like, beautiful, like, kind of expensive-looking vases, mm. which presumably is what they're going to the bathroom in. Right. <laughs> and they never get this gross in the movie. Like, they never talk about it. But I, I can't help but think what happens when those vases get full. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's gross, yeah. They hint at those things without ever getting, like, too graphic where, where we're absolutely disgusted. Mm. Which is different than a lot of movies now where they just, like... Yeah. You know, they held back a little bit. Yeah. They showed it without showing it. Yeah. If The Exterminating Angel was made now, I think they would just show, like, buckets of shit in the closet, oh, I don't right? say that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how filmmaking has changed, I think. It's less classy oh, now. I see. Than it was back in the 1960s. Oh. Uh. At one point when we were watching the movie, you turned and asked me, is this a comedy or a drama? Or a fantasy. Or a fantasy. <laughs> what do you think? Now that we've watched the whole movie, wh what's your answer to that question? It's like psychological thriller with some science fiction. Or religious kind yeah. of. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that this is like definitely a psychological thriller. That's how I classify it. Yeah. But you know, weird movies are all like hard to classify and I think they those. I feel like those film, weird filmmakers don't want movies to be classified. No, they don't. I don't I don't think they want to be in any genre. Right. And actually, there are a lot of weird movies that people classify as psychological thrillers. Mm. It's almost like if you don't know how to classify it, just call it a psychological thriller. Oh, yeah. Or what, are you, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, you know, what's your favorite character? I was going to say my favorite character. Stupid. I think uh, my favorite character is the servant because he's the most normal person. Yeah. And he eats paper without complaining right that's a really smart thing there's a scene where he like takes some paper and he kind of balls it up i guess kind of like paper mache style and he eats yeah, it to yeah. keep his stomach full yeah 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 and it's a really interesting scene like he really seems like he knows how to survive yeah and he seems really calm uh, compared to other rich people who are going crazy he he's the one who didn't lose mind i think yeah he when everybody else was lying around he was still kind of acting like a servant and cleaning up even though he had yeah. no responsibility really to like continue listening to them and doing what they say he does he continues doing his servant role yeah anytime he's in the scene he is 
cleaning and you know throwing stuff away and organizing and acting normal. Yeah, to be honest, I was a little disappointed that they didn't show more of that character near the end of the movie.、Mm. I would have loved to see like him be the one character that. Doesn't go inside the church or just one last little scene to like show us what happens to him at the end, you know? I, I, I wanted know. to see a little bit more of an ending with that、uh, servant. But he, he was in the funeral, right? I saw him. Yeah. Wasn't he? It's un- really unfortunate for him. I also really like the owner of the、right. house. You know, he seems for the most part like a good guy. He's constantly being blamed for everything going wrong, but he still seems to try to be a good person. And, yeah. Like, How about the doctor? The doctor's a little strange. Yeah, let's talk about the doctor. So, when we're first introduced to the doctor, he's treating a couple of the people at the party as his patients, including、mm. a woman who has cancer. Right. And he tells her that she's going to be fine, which we assume is a lie because then he goes and tells another guy, like, oh, actually, she only has four months before she goes bald.、Mm. Which is a strange thing to say because you expect him to say before she dies. Or something, but he's saying going bald. And then later on, there's another man, the first man to die, he gets really sick. And the doctor looks at him and says, He's only got a few hours before he goes bald. Right. And they're like, What? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I mean, before he dies. Right. So that maybe that's why I never felt great about the doctor. Oh. Although the doctor is useful, like he helps people, he never really does anything bad. No. And yet I always have this kind of like weird feeling about the doctor.、Mm. But he's the not, not the one who has pervert. No, the pervert was Albert Roch, the conductor. What do you think of the brother and the sister? Oh, they're like one of the worst characters, right?、The're, the brother is pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a bit crazy. There is this one scene, though, I really love with the brother where there's like fighting or something going on, and the, there's a shot. I love this shot. I want to use it as a gif to represent this whole coronavirus situation、uh-huh. where he's just like laughing hysterically. He's just like, <laughs> but then his laughing turns into crying. He's just、oh. like, <laughs> Right, I, right. I love that. I was like, wow, that, that scene really sums up. Yeah. Like, yeah, that、emotions. was a good scene. Yeah. I kind of liked him after that one shot.、Mm, <laughs> he's、uh, a bad guy, but he's not the worst. Yeah. The worst is that big kind of bully guy who throws the pills away and、right. wants to murder the owner. Yeah. That guy's, I guess, the worst character. Yeah. Were there any characters that you would have liked to have learned more about? I want to learn more about other servants who escaped. Yeah. Yeah. They had some intuition, right? Because there's always this idea of like, did the servants know what was going to happen? Is that why they left? And I guess we don't know for sure, but it seems like. They didn't know.、Mm. They just had some intuition,、mm. like you said. Yeah. It's interesting that the main servant, he didn't have that same intuition.、Mm. And he actually criticized the other servants for leaving.、Mm. And he stuck around. Some people might see that as like a flaw in his character. Like,、mm. if he hadn't been so loyal to these rich people, he would have been okay.、Mm. But because he's so loyal and such a good servant, he's actually punished for that.、Mm. For not running away like the other servants who are fine.、Mm. Feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, because you gotta admire him for doing his job in the face of adversity. Right. So now that people are self isolating and、mm. quarantining themselves and staying inside their houses, do you think a lot of houses? Where maybe with big families or things like that, or places where people are quarantined, like because the hospitals are getting full,、mm. um, people are being put into hotels and stuff.、Mm. Do you think people are gonna start going crazy like in this movie? Yeah, I actually read news articles where people started to have some domestic violence problems and like talking about, you know, getting divorced. Right. It's a serious subject, but、um, I think, you know, it doesn't happen to us because we always work together. We're kind of used to being together all the time. Yeah, yeah, but for people who usually don't spend Entire day together, it must be really hard because I remember when we started like working and living together, we fought a lot. Yeah, I guess a lot of newlywed couples sort of fight a lot until they sort of learn boundaries and yeah how to live with each other. Yeah, and establish some, of, some rules. Some of the solutions for you know families like married couples have some distance by going out, having another community. Right, having、uh, some away time. Yeah, and now, like, everybody has to be stuck. It's taken away from them.、Mm. You're talking about people who 
are stuck with each other, like married couples who are stuck with each other longer and are forced to stay with each other and are developing fights that way. But my heart really goes out to people who already had bad family situations. There's a lot of people, like especially kids who have like abusive parents or just are in like bad situations. And this whole thing is just making it so much worse for them. They have no way to escape, nowhere to leave. Mm. I came from a situation like that. Like if something like this had happened when I was a kid, You would Oh God, I can't I can't imagine how horrible it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Like kids can't even go to school anymore. I remember I was in sort of a bad situation when I was a kid and I would just I couldn't wait to go to school just to be able to get out of the house because Mm. my house was so volatile at that time and and I know there's there's kids now who are in that same situation but they've they can't even leave to go to school and I I feel just feel awful for them. Mm. Yeah. This is really like a crisis that is unlike anything we've experienced in our lifetimes or like, or maybe it's just the whole thing's a brand new thing for the world. We're like really living as part of history now. And this is a weird, this is a really weird time. Yeah, it's like, I think it really connects to, I don't know, somehow to this movie, you know, it's not something visible happening. Like when I experienced the Japanese earthquake in 2011, that was so obvious. It was so visual and you could actually feel, oh, this disaster is actually happening. But now you can't really see except in what happening in the hospital, but you can't see. You yeah, know? it's like an invisible barrier, just like in this yeah, movie. Yeah, and when we go outside, to you know go to grocery store or just have a little walk just the world is the same and just beautiful but something different is happening something that you can't see yeah Yeah. a lot of people just can't afford to stay home a lot of people like they can't go out they can't make money Mm. you know we're performers and because performers already don't make a lot of money yeah their side jobs are working in bars or restaurants yeah but those jobs have been taken away too And artists and people who aren't financially stable are the ones who are being affected the worst by this whole situation, you know, Mm. which is, I think, a theme of this movie, too. I know it's it's different. It's almost like a different subject. But another interpretation I have is when they try to leave the room, Mm. there's nothing physical stopping them. Yeah. It really seems like it's something inside their mind. Yeah. And, you know, I have attention deficit disorder Mm. and sometimes I have a task that I need to complete, a really simple task that's easy to complete, but I can't do it. Like I'll sit in front of it, sit in front of the work and I'll try to do it and I'll have some mental block that'll just prevent me, almost like an invisible force field. Mm. So I almost can relate to the idea of like having some invisible force inside your brain stopping you from doing something. Mm. And at the end of the movie, we don't really know if they actually could leave because of the double thing happening or if Mm. they just broke through their psychological barrier. Although the fact that people in the outside world can't get in too, Mm. you wonder why they're having the same psychological problem. Mm. There's one scene in the movie, of course, where a little boy kind of goes farther than anyone else can, but he gets scared. And the question's never answered, like, did something stop him or was he just scared? Could he have kept going? He might been just scared yeah i think so and you know the bear and the sheep they don't have any problem yeah yeah, i must don't have it so it's really like psychological like just mental and kids are kind of less afraid yeah uh, not mentally affected but because anyone else says you can go you can go you can go further maybe the kid got scared because he learned that you know everybody's scared everybody else is scared and that made him scared too yeah and there's like a thing when people first discover that they can't leave the room Mm. they don't go oh my gosh i can't leave the room they make excuses they're like hmm i forgot my coat oh they like keep coming up with reasons until somebody points out oh how come nobody's leaving right like it takes them a long time to figure it out because Mm. there's no fear of leaving there's no there's no logic or reason behind it at all Mm. their brain is almost compensating by going like oh there must be a reason why i can't leave the room maybe i forgot something maybe i'm tired Mm. but there is no real reason and that's exactly how i feel sometimes when i have like a an add problem Mm. and i can't get my 
my simple work done, like trying to respond to an email or something. Oh, I'm, just right. like, I'm like, I'm, it's almost like I'm physically unable to do it. It's like, just press send on the email. And I yeah. can't, I'm like forcing my hand to try to push the button and I can't do it. <laughs> this movie, there's been a debate for so many years about why they can't leave the room. Um, but I think the whole point is, is that there is no clear reason why they can't leave no, the room. No, it's like other, you know, absurd uh, novels like Kafka. It's like you don't explain why. Yeah. But the, there's a situation. Yeah. And like it's more like how people react to the unusual situation and that often can be metaphor of something actually happening. I've seen similar movies to this movie mm. where some people are like in a similar weird situation, but they explain exactly what happens. They're like, oh yeah, it's aliens or it's magic. Or, you know, this this movie could have just been like a wizard magically made a force field there. And you could have changed nothing else about the movie, like kept the rest of the movie exactly the same. Mm. But that would have completely ruined the movie. Yeah. It would not have been an interesting movie at all. The fact that you don't know that's what makes it so fascinating. Yeah, 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 exactly. And lots of mov- like, you know, movies or stories which aren't well done, trying to explain, yeah. trying to give reason why this is happening and that those all sound kind of stupid and just excuse. And that kind of really ruins the storytelling and they should just, you know, concentrate on the what they want to do. But instead they're like trying to make a sense. The thing is, is a lot of audience members not knowing something drives them crazy. They're like, we want an answer. Why couldn't they leave the room? Mm. But as soon as you tell them, it completely destroys the story. Yeah. It was recently my 40th birthday. Yeah. And as a wonderful present, Sari bought me the Twin Peaks <laughs> A to Z box set, which I just love. I, I'm a fan of Twin Peaks. You might notice some Twin Peaks references in the show even, in the right. Weird Movie Club podcast. Yes. There's some references to Twin Peaks. And I don't want to spoil anything for Sari because she hasn't watched Twin Peaks. Mm. But the basic premise is it starts off as a murder mystery. And when they created the show, their plan was to never actually solve the mystery. They were like, just going to keep it going forever. Mm. But audience members, after the second season, started to complain. They were like, we want to know the answer. We want to know the answer. And the <laughs> network told Mark Frost and David Lynch, you guys need to come up with an answer. Aww. So they revealed the answer to the mystery oh. in the middle of the second season. Oh. And then the ratings for the show just completely vanished. People lost interest in in the show oh no and it kind of ruined the show and then in order to bring it back to people loving twin peaks they had to make it even weirder and come up with more mysteries and be like well that was the answer but that's not the whole story you know because as soon as you you solve those mysteries and explain it like all the fun and weirdness and mystery is gone mm, right audiences don't always know what they want sometimes yeah. audiences demand answers but the best thing to do is to not give them answers i love hearing lots and lots of different interpretations yeah. Of a movie or a TV show. Like, that's what I love about Twin Peaks is there's like so many different explanations of what it means. And they're all convincing. I hear one. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's probably what it is. And then I hear another one. I'm like, oh, no, maybe that's what it is. Mm. If it's just one answer, it's boring. You mm. know, that's why a movie like The Sixth Sense isn't a weird movie. Because, oh, yeah. Because there's only, there's only one way to interpret it. It's just a twist at the end. Yeah, that was just a twist. This movie's almost 60 years old. Mm. We're still discussing what it means. Mm. If we watch it again in 60 years from now, we'd still be discussing, like, what is this movie about? Yeah, what yeah, does it yeah. mean? And then it might have a different interpretation. Right now, we're talking about it, how it's connected to the coronavirus mm. and social isolating and staying indoors. Mm. Maybe 60 years from now... Uh, sheep will have taken over the world. And they'll be like, isn't that interesting that there's these sheep in the movie, now sheep have taken over the world. It's 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 almost like he predicted that there's going to be sheep taking over the world, you know? Yeah, maybe maybe in 60 years, the, you know, the world is in a very bad condition and like humans dying and animals are taking over and uh, maybe we would be just like surviving and like all other people are gone and there's sheep outside and we will be saying oh this is the metaphor of what we are experiencing now yeah i don't do you have any anything to say to anybody listening to the podcast about how to survive in this 
pandemic new world that we're living in? You know, stay positive mm. and don't, you know, don't be depressed. Don't blame yourself. You know, we lost lots of shows, but still we are lucky we have this house. We feel guilty for feeling like, like lucky that we have a house. Or I don't know. It's like lots of contradictory feelings. Yeah, because we feel bad for ourselves because we've lost a lot. We've lost shows. We're losing our income. We're losing our, you know, ability to do what we do, which is do puppet shows for large groups of people. And now、mm. there are no more large groups of people. Yeah. <laughs> So we feel bad for ourselves, but then we feel guilty for feeling bad for ourselves because we know that other people have it even worse. Yeah, yeah. But no, it, I think instead of beating yourself up, just be positive and like, you know, try to enjoy the situation maybe. Yeah, just, just hang in there and do the best you can. Yeah. Keep calm and watch weird movies. Yeah, that's right. Is there anything. We learned from this movie that could help us in this situation. <laughs> If you are going to self isolate, don't do it in a room full of like a hundred other rich people. Right. If you don't have food, eating paper might help a bit. Yeah, eating paper. That's, that's a really useful tip that we learned from、mm. this movie. If you need water, smash your walls and get a pipe. Right.、Uh, if you don't have access to your sink, I think most people probably do, but it's a good survival、yeah. tip. Oh, yeah. If you. Don't have enough water. There might be other places you can get water from. Like, do you have any vases full of flowers? Because in one scene,、oh, they yeah, drank yeah, the yeah. water from the vase.、Right. And they said it might not taste fresh, but if you put some lime in it,、right. it'll taste better. So that's a good tip. It's a good tip. Yeah. If you feel like you see like an invisible barrier you can't get out, try to repeat yourself when you start getting stuck. <laughs> I don't know if that'll work for other people. I know that worked in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's worth a try. Yeah. Right? Oh, and follow your instincts before things get worse. You know, like servants escaped before things got worse. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely follow your intuition. Run when you feel like you should run. Yeah. And try not to do petty bickering. Try not to blame each other. Try not to argue with the people that you're living with. Right. Be kind to each other. Love each other. Stay calm. Stay calm. Don't have fights. Get some sleep. Yeah. Don't let disembodied hands attack. You while you're sleeping. <laughs>、right. If you're separated from your kids because of quarantine or something, you know, just be patient. They're probably okay outside playing with like some balloons or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What happens? Well, Sari, I guess that's about it.、Mm-hmm. Let's hand the podcast over to the leg who will announce the next movie. Until、okay. then, thank you all for listening. Stay safe and hopefully, you know, one day things will get better and just hang in there. Yeah. Be good to each other. Yes. So long. So long. Thank you so much for listening. Next week's movie is Vin John Mahovich. Sorry, the leg. Next week's movie is what? Vin John Mahovich. Oh, being John Malkovich. The 1990 film directed by Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman. You know, the leg, sometimes you're really hard to understand. Until next time, keep calm and watch weird movies. <laughs>